0: Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. He had raised Lazarus from the dead. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it's better for you that one should die for the people. How strange it was that a man who was bent on killing Jesus actually prophesied of the purposes and the plans of God, the plans that God had through His Son. The man who who had his mind and had his heart set on the agenda of killing the Son of God actually spoke the words of God's amazing grace. And you know, that's pretty well a summary of the cross of Christ, the irony of the cross we find ourselves at the foot of the cross. We find ourselves there with with an amazing conflict of emotions. Many of the things that we find we don't really understand. Many of them are are beyond our complete comprehension. Finding ourselves confused as the idea of, of the cross of Christ is embedded in our heart. And we try to understand it. As we try to to let it pour into us, it, it arouses within us emotions of anger, maybe even rage. But then a smile spreads across our face, and we find joy, and we find love, we find peace, and we find comfort. The very thing that was filled with agony, filled with bitterness, filled with pain, now fills us with joy. And so it's no wonder that the cross was an offense. Irony wouldn't even begin to describe it. It's a place where opposing and conflicting ideas and thoughts and emotions were woven together in the fabric of God's grace. It's a place where hatred and love teamed together. It's a place where the purposes and plans of the greatest enemies arrived to the same destination. It's a place where the oil of God's gladness and the bitter waters of sin mixed together and came up with a formula, a conviction and a compromise woven together To think about the cross of Christ, it leaves us sometimes confused. It's meant to be simple, but it's in its simplicity that God is able to, to place within our hearts a desire, a wanting to understand. And through our desire to understand, it convicts us. And so we have a major question to ask this morning. And the question is simply this Do you need Jesus to have died on the cross? Now, I would imagine that for most of us here this morning, we have enough information, we have enough understanding about sin and about the consequences of sin, that we would absolutely answer this question in the positive. There's no doubt about it. I need Jesus to have died on the cross. You need Jesus to have died on the cross. We're lost without the cross. We're hopeless without the cross. We're cursed without the cross. We're nothing Without the cross, no matter how high a view you may have of yourself, no matter how great you might think that you are, without the cross of Christ, you are nothing. We need the cross of Jesus Christ. But I ask you this morning to think about this question. And I want you to be conflicted in your hearts. I want you to be conflicted in your minds because it's within that conflict that God can create a conviction like no other. So ask yourself this question. Do you need Jesus to have died on the cross? Church, that's a very serious question. And I want you to consider this morning the irony Of the cross. And as I said before, I don't think irony is really the most appropriate word. I don't know that there is a word to describe what we see at the cross. But think about the moral perspective of the cross. Is there any single one of us who would look back at the cross of Christ and say, Jesus deserved that? See, from our perspective, the idea of a man being unjustly accused in an unrighteous system of law, being found guilty and convicted of no real crime, and then executed, we would think that's hideous. That's repulsive. We wouldn't even imagine that. From our perspective. Had we been there in Jesus' day, we would have looked upon that day and maybe we would have started walking around with these little picket signs. You can't shed this man's blood. Don't do this. Jesus is innocent. Free Jesus. But we need Jesus to die on the cross. Consider the emotions of the disciples. There was a time when Jesus looked over at his disciples and he said that he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer at the hands of men and there he would die. And Peter stepped in. As so often Peter was to do, he steps in. Now now we probably would have thought, way to go, Peter. That's a good job, Peter. Peter said, far be it from you, Lord. I forbid it. No, don't go to Jerusalem because you're going to be killed there. And we'd say, right on, Peter. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, you're Satan. You're thinking by the ways of man, not by the ways of God. You are becoming my adversary. Jesus needs to go to the cross. Consider the hateful cry. Do you need Jesus to have died on the cross? Jesus was placed on a platform. Pilate looked out at the people and he said, What then must I do with this Jesus who is called the Christ? And the cry that comes out from the crowd is, Crucify him! Crucify him! Can we look back at that day? Place ourselves in that scene. Think about ourselves, in our condition. And can we tell them to be quiet? We don't want Jesus to go to the cross. No, we need Jesus to go to the cross. We need the crowd to shout, crucify Him, crucify Him, crucify the Son of God. Think about the ruthless treatment that he received in the Jewish court. Being mocked, being spit upon, being beaten being taken over to the hall of soldiers and there being scourged, his back torn into shreds, then clothed with a scarlet robe, a crown of thorns placed upon his head, with men bowing down to him in complete mockery, saying, Hail Jesus, the King of the Jews, or a sign to be placed above him, saying, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews, the ruthless treatment that was against him. But we need Jesus to have died upon the cross. The most unthinkable, the most unimaginable, the most unbelievable thing that we could ever imagine happening to the Son of God. We needed that to happen. So you tell me, do you need Jesus to have died upon the cross? Paul called it an offense. It's a stumbling block. It's confusing. It's a scandal. It's a trap. It's a snare, the Jews thought. In one way, we we look at the cross, and, and from that perspective, we see the grace. We see the love. We see the joy. But from another perspective, we see it as nothing but a curse. Jesus became a curse so that we could be redeemed from the curse of the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, it's quoted by Paul in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. It says, anybody who dies on a tree, that's a curse. And we needed Jesus to become a curse. We need him to have died upon the cross. Do you need Jesus to have died upon the cross? We look back into the Old Testament, and we see a number of prophecies that were about Jesus. And guess what? Every single one of those prophecies Jesus knew. He had a certain expectation. We look at Isaiah chapter 53. and This is what Jesus would expect. He would expect to be despised, rejected, smitten, afflicted, pierced, crushed, and scourged. We look at Psalm 21. He was abused. He was mocked. He was weakened as he was dying on the cross. One of the things that he says before the people is, I thirst. He was thirsty. He was dehydrated. And at first, he refused anything to drink because he needed to keep his senses. He needed to be able to think. He didn't need to be outside of his mind. He needed his mind to have complete authority over himself, yet he thirsted. He needed the wetness on his mouth to be able to say some of the greatest words ever spoken by any man. Surrounded by his enemies, his hands and his feet, were pierced, and even lots were cast for his garments. Roman soldiers at the foot of the cross casting lots for the fabric that Jesus had worn. Psalm 50 in verse 6 tells us he was scourged, he was hit, he was spit upon. Isaiah 52 verse 14 tells us that he was marred. He was disfigured more than, than anyone who had ever lived and who would ever live. So answer the question, do you need Jesus to have died on the cross? Think deep within and try to reach in and pull out your moral sensitivities. Do you need Jesus to have died on the cross? It says Jesus was anticipating the cross as it would come over him in short order he found himself in the garden of Gethsemane. He left his disciples. He took Peter, James, and John, and and further with him, they went into the garden, and he went even further, leaving them to keep watch. And he knelt down, and he prayed to God. He prayed to his father. And in that prayer, as he's offering up to God his soul, Was sorrowed. He was was in great distress as he was describing this to his friends. He prays to God, asking, Let this cup pass from me. He was filled with so much emotion, so much bitter agony, knowing exactly what was in store for him, what had been planned for him, what was purposed for him in this. Yet he found himself on his knees, praying, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he he prayed with such agony that that his sweat became as it were great drops of blood. A man by the name of T.W. Hunt. A series of video lessons called The Mind of Christ. He tells us that there's a condition. It's called hematohydrosis, where under great amounts of stress, the capillaries under the skin, they actually burst. And the only way for for the blood to escape is through the sweat glands. And in that condition, he says that there, there is a heightened sensitivity to the skin. But three times Jesus went into the garden. Three times he went down upon his knees. Three times he utters the words, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I know that all things are possible. Let this cup pass from me, but your will be done. Three times in the garden. And three times he comes out and he finds his disciples sleeping. Their eyes Were weary, their their hearts and stress and in weeping, they find themselves tired. But Jesus finds them asleep. Do you need Jesus to have died on the cross? Jesus was betrayed by a friend. He was denied by an apostle three times, and in that third denial, Jesus looks right at him. He's taken into the courts of the high priest. He's called a blasphemer. They began to dance around him. They began to mock him. They were hitting him. They were spitting on him, treating treating him as if he was nothing more than a dog. And really, dogs get much better treatment than Jesus got. He's held in comparison to a murderer. Up on a platform, Pilate brings out a man by the name of Barabbas. Barabbas was an insurrectionist. Barabbas was a murderer. Pilate thought that that he would be able to release Jesus. He was trying to appeal to the Jews' sense of morality. Which one would you have me release to you? Would you release Barabbas? Here's a murderer. Here's a rebel. Would you release him or would you release Jesus? And the people called for Barabbas. Which one would you want to set free? I know you would want to set Jesus free. I would too. But we need Jesus to go to the cross. Jesus was mocked to the delight of the soldiers. He was mocked by those standing at the cross. If you're the Son of God, Come down from the cross. He saved others, but he can't save himself. Two thieves on either side of him, railing on him, hissing at him. So beaten, Jesus was so battered, so weakened by the scourging that he couldn't even carry his own cross. The shame. The shame of the cross. Do you need Jesus? Who have died upon the cross. Cries came out from the crowd as Jesus was above them. If you are the Son of God, save yourself. Come down from the cross, save yourself, save us. The words coming from one of the thieves, not the one who, who would be with Jesus in paradise, but the other one mocking Him. If you can do a trick, why don't you do it now? If you can perform a miracle, why don't you perform it now? But oh, how that thief didn't know. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, all he had to do was look up. All he had to do was say, I'm done with it. I can't handle this anymore. Father, send your angels. Destroy the world. Make Golgotha a hole in the ground. He could have done that. And I would imagine that there's a part of us deep down inside that wants to say, Jesus, call your angels. Jesus, it's not worth it for for you, the Son of God, to be treated like this. But I need Jesus to hang there in bitter agony. To painfully hear those words that are given to Him in mockery and in derision. I need Him to be able to look down At his mother and say, I'm going away. You need someone to care for you. I need that woman to be in complete agony because she's looking up at her son hanging on the cross. I need Jesus to feel forsaken, for his friends to deny him, for his friends to to be ashamed of him, for them to run away. I need Jesus there on the cross alone. I need him to utter those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I need Jesus to say those words, I thirst. Of all the words physically that he probably had the hardest time saying, it was, I thirst. But I needed him to say those words that were most important. Do you need Jesus? have died on the cross. Jesus hung there on the cross because of our sins. Jesus bore our sins on the cross. We speak of the agony. We speak of the persecution. We speak of the bitterness, of the pain. We read about the different medical reports that Tell us everything that was happening in Jesus' body as he's hanging there on the cross. The agony of the cross was also its glory. As Jesus recited those words that are most important to us, I need Jesus to have said those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm deserving of the wrath of God against sin. I'm deserving of the wrath of God against the sins that had placed Jesus on the cross. I need Jesus to say those words. Into your hands I commit my spirit. I need Jesus to say those words. It is finished. He must say those words. It is finished. It's completed. It's done with. The sins of the world have been encapsulated in the love and in the grace of God. It is finished. Do you need Jesus to have died on the cross? It's a very conflicting question, isn't it? For me to say, that I need Jesus to die on the cross is for me to say, crucify him. It's for me to say, release Barabbas and take Jesus. For me to say that I need Jesus to have died upon the cross is for me to look at Jesus and say, you can't save yourself. It's a conflict of misery right here in the depths of my heart. And I'm not really sure how to even express it I don't know that there are words to to adequately say it. but The one thing I do know to say is that I need Jesus to have died upon the cross for me. If you need Jesus to have died upon the cross for you, then why not die for Him? You can do that right now as we stand and sing together.